And we're back on the Fantasy Odds Cast. It's your host, AJ Desai, and my co-host, Jake Perry. You can follow him on Twitter, JakePerry34. You can follow me on Twitter, AJ Desai4. Um, you know, that was a very boring Super Bowl, but yet, I mean, you know, I was really, really happy for Tom Brady to, like, actually put down the gas pedal on Patrick Mahomes because I really thought that, like, the, Pat- uh, the Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs it was just going to be what the Seattle Seahawks did when they went to back-to-back Super Bowls. And honestly, Jake, you can't bet against the GOAT. So uh, what do you think, man? That Super Bowl was just insane. You said it last week. You said, I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady. And damn it, were you right. You know, that was, you know, that was as clean a game as we've seen Tom play maybe all year. Um, that team, you know, Tampa Bay was clicking on all cylinders. Um, it didn't help that, you know, you know, defensively, they really shut down the Chiefs, which is how you beat that team. Like if your offense, yep. your defense doesn't have to be, you know, the best of the best. But if you can stop right. them from getting into the end zone, they're not going to beat you by kicking six field goals. Their defense isn't that level of you know talented you know Mahomes yes he's down five of his top eight we'll call it offensive linemen you got three guys playing out of position on the line you got four wide receivers who seemingly can't catch the ball outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey like you're you know it was a recipe for disaster and it caught up to Kansas City very heavily you know Brady looked great Leonard Fournette looked great Gronk looked like he did six years ago you know, it was it was as good of a game as Tampa Bay could have played. And, you know, I think, you know, clearly it worked for them. And that's why they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, man. I mean, like, you know, it was really cool to see a team that missed the postseason 12 years in a row. Uh, obviously, congratulations to the Glazer family, Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, all those players, you know. And I'm really excited about, you know, we can talk about the Bucks. All day long, and we'll talk about them a little bit more before we head into the meter, our show. Um, you know, I'm really excited for Antonio Brown that he won the Super Bowl and he actually caught a touchdown in this uh, in, the, in the game too as well. So I was really, I was really, really happy for Antonio Brown. I mean, I don't really look at things that happen like like outside of football unless it's like really, really big, like something that's like you know Greg Hardy level or like Ray Rice level. I think those two incidents are really. Uh, not needed or anything like that but if you look at like Antonio Brown's situation outside of the NFL it hasn't really um, gone up to that level gone up to that level yet in terms of um, him not playing another down in the NFL and Greg Hardy and Ray Rice actually assaulted someone so they're not in the NFL anymore but you know it's it's nice to see someone get their shit together and I put a lot of emphasis on that because you know he he left Pittsburgh in um, turmoil uh, he got cut by Oakland in turmoil once again and I guess like with Bruce Arians and Tom Brady and all those guys he had a short stint in New England uh, where he caught a touchdown um, which was really cool to see um, but then now you see him in Tampa Bay and now he's like all with that Bruce Arians mentality if something happens I can't play now it really seems like Antonio Brown turned over a new leaf of positivity and it paid off for the Super Bowl ring yeah let's hope man let's hope he stays on the right track obviously he's got a ton of allegations that have come out against him and you know it's you know it remains to be seen how that all plays out but you know good for him you know, finally getting his mental state like a little bit more in check, a little more in key yeah. um, into what he needs. You know, he's very clearly still talented. He's still arguably a, 
I would say, you know, his skill set still shines as like a top 20, 25 wide receiver in football. Um, like he's, he's clearly still super talented. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Leonard Fournette, you know, yep. to be stuck in Jacksonville for all those years oh to finally God. get out and have a big game like yeah. he did. He's setting himself up to make a lot of money this coming yep. off season, I think. You know, yep. Brady getting the ring without Belichick, kind of killing that stigma down. You know, Gronk, you know, coming out of retirement. And just hearing the stories of like the way that like Bruce Arians and the coaching staff really treated their players, you yep. know, this year, I think it really goes to show that like there is a benefit to treating your guys well. Like mm -hmm. when he's when Arians is like forcing Brady to like not practice some days and when Brady texts him and goes, hey, man, can I not throw on Wednesday? And Arians goes, you're Tom Brady. I don't care what you do. You're going to play well yes. on come Sunday anyway. For guys like Mike Evans, you know, Chris Godwin, Rojo, Fournette, for those guys to get days off throughout the year. Um, there was a there was a Fournette quote earlier in the year where he was fighting to play and he was mad that Arians wasn't letting him play. Yeah. And then he realized eventually that like Arians was doing that for the betterment of Rojo or not Rojo of Fournette, of Fournette like giving yeah. him the chance to to get healthy and actually play at the level he's at without risking like further injury. I think it was right before the game where he went for like 103 and two touchdowns. Like it started off, they barely used him at all. And then he has like a great game. And then it was, you know, his usage has been up and down all year as of all of the running back usage in Tampa Bay. But, you know, man, I'm probably happiest for him, honestly, like for, you know, for him to finally get the opportunity to shine um, as a lead back in the playoffs and really like given the opportunity to succeed, man. Like I said, you know, there's great stories all around. And if we look at the other side of the ball too, like the Kansas City side of things, like these guys are going to come back just as good, yeah. if not better next year. You know, you, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's not going to take a Super Bowl loss lightly. Neither is Kelsey, neither, neither is Hill, neither is Andy Reid. You know, it's just not going to be that way. So, yeah. you know, obviously your hearts go out for those guys losing a ring like that, but they'll be Yeah, back. I mean, like, you know, I, I don't know how, how big of a – difference it played like when i think it was andy reed's brother that got into a car accident i don't know how that played a difference his, in his son his yeah, son his got son. into a car accident so i mean like i i mean like i don't know how that like would have played a difference in the game i mean like you know that just happened a day before the Super Bowl. i mean like you know i don't know how this what the condition of his son is or anything like that but like that's obviously disheartening to hear like when what's when your son gets into a car accident and actually i don't know if it played a difference in play calling or anything like that but like you know it's certainly like it, it's it's something that stays in the back of your head, like like knowing like you know your son. Like I don't know, there there could have been an investigation. I guess I guess like he hit he hit someone, and uh, I guess the people that he hit are in, in severe like condition or something like that. I don't know. I gotta look at the story again. But like you know, I mean like it has to be in the backside of Andy Reid's head. I mean like you know that's something that like is your family and. Um, and all that stuff. So, I mean, like, I don't know how big of a role that played in the Super Bowl and his play calling and stuff. I thought the Chiefs couldn't do anything offensively. I thought, you know, Tampa Bay played really good defense and on their home field, you know. Um, and, and it was just great because, like you, like you mentioned earlier, like five minutes ago in the pod, um, that defense just needed to eliminate Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. And it worked. So... And, you know, Miko Hardman and Brian Pringle aren't, aren't going to step up because they haven't stepped up all season to make a play, right? Th those only two guys have. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey have. And 
you know, I, I loved the ending of Super I love the ending of Super Bowl, Jake. Um, Antoine Winfield's peace thing. That was so cool. I, I was oh, yeah, so that was cool, savage. man. That was savage. It was so cool. And, like, you know, like, Jim Nance was saying it, and Tony Romo was saying that, that like, there's no need to do it. There's no need to do that. Come on, man. If someone's deucing you and he's off to the end zone and does a backflip in front of you, and they and I think Tyree Kill had a monstrous day that day. I think he had over 200 yards and three touchdowns. You know, and you know to me, like I don't care if I get flagged for 15 yards or 20 yards or 25 yards. I don't think there's a 25 yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty out there. But you know that's just that's just cool, man. Just like just just sticking the knife and twisting it for the man that did it to you. A couple of months ago at your home stand because that game was in Tampa Bay, if I remember correctly. So, props to Winfield for doing that, you know. And after the game, he said that, like, you know, he did it to me earlier in the season. I did it to him in the biggest stage of biggest stage of the game, biggest stage of the season. So, man, uh, props to him for that. But like, you know, good good Super Bowl. But let's move on to the dynasty. Jake, take it away. Yeah, man. So AJ and I, um, we started a dynasty league with some of our buddies, some of my friends from high school, um, some kids that I worked with um, at my university, um, as well as some of our friends from group chats, fellow podcast hosts. Um, So it's a 10 team super flex tight end premium dynasty league. Um, So we had our draft, which started right after the the day after the Super Bowl. Um, That finally wrapped up last night. Um, I don't know about AJ. I love my team, um, except for my running backs. I I wish I could uh, have my running back situation be a little bit better. Um, But I want to like just look at the draft. I want to go through the first round of the draft that we had, um, because I think while the draft went the way that I kind of expected it to be, especially in a super flex format where quarterback is a little bit more important. Um, there were some some surprises, you know, I think in the first round for me. Um, so, you know, we had Christian McCaffrey go go at the 101. No mm-hmm. surprise there. For me, this was a bit surprising with Kamaro going too. Um, I, um, w- later in the show, I'm going to talk about my top 10 dynasty running backs for the year as voted on, uh, voted by on our Twitter poll at, um, at Fantasy Oddscast. Um, I don't, I don't have Kamara as like the number two guy off the board in any situation for me. Um, not while I do love the talent, I obviously love the skill set. He's been super productive. Um, he's got the second most uh, average PPR or fantasy PPR points, which are is our league format. You know, in a points per game situation. Um, I just have some concerns, especially with the way that offense is going to look next year without Brady under without center Brady. or without Breeze Brady. under center. Um, you know, there's other assets that are leaving that team. You know, Jared Cook might be going elsewhere. That team's got a lot of cap, you know, cap issues a that lot they're of coming cap at issues, yeah. real fast. Yeah. Yeah. So they, you know, I'm just not as high on Kamara as maybe some others are, which is fine. Um, but I do think he was a bit of a stretch at the 102. Um, if I were picking in the second spot, I probably would have gone Dalvin Cook in that situation personally. Um I had the 103 in the league. Um, being that it is super flex, I took Mahomes. Um, while I do typically lean running back heavy, I'm not like a zero running back guy or even like a, you know, I picked running back in the second round just to make up for not taking one right away. Um, I went Mahomes in that situation in a super flex league where almost everybody's going to be starting two quarterbacks every week. When you see the other quarterbacks that I have, like the 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 core 
of quarterbacks that I've built up through this draft, I think put me in a really good position to succeed. Um, and having a guy like Mahomes, who's literally, you know, arguably the quarterback one in any situation, um, you know, Josh Allen puts up similar points per game. Dak was putting up really good numbers. But, you know, being that Mahomes is so young, being that he runs that offense so clean and nobody in that offense is going anywhere anytime soon, you know, I just felt super confident in that pick there. Uh, my buddy Kyle, uh, he took Dalvin Cook at the 104, exactly how, what I would have done in his situation um, with that, with that, you know, with that pick being available there with Dalvin Cook there. You know, he is a little bit older. He has had some injury concerns. His workload's been super heavy. Um, that's still probably the route that I go um, just because of the talent that he does have and him being a true focal point in that offense, even with Kubiak retiring and his son taking over. You know, I don't think you know, there's really any issue there. Uh, our buddy, Mike, Mike, uh, Mike Flores from the, uh, the state again network who was on the show last week, he went Derek Henry at the one Oh five, definitely not a move that I would have gone personally, but I, I totally understand the, you know, the logic behind it. He's coming off of a season where he just rushed for 2000 yards. You know, he's clearly, you know, the second, you know, the, the arguably the second best, in my opinion, pure runner in football. I have Nick Chubb a little bit higher than him as a pure runner, um, but having Henry in that spot, you know, I probably would have gone with either, you know, one of the two guys who went after him. So immediately after Henry was Saquon at six and then Jonathan Taylor at seven, I probably would have picked either of those guys personally over um, Derrick Henry. Uh, especially in a PPR league, like I just think his his you know recept receiving side upside is a little bit limited. Um, that being said, still clearly a very talented player. Um, you can't go wrong with any of those guys, in my opinion. Saquon, as you guys will see here, is a guy that I'm still super high on. I'm not worried about the injuries. I'm not worried about him coming off a knee thing. If we just saw Wayne Gallman do what he did, where he was arguably an RB2 rest of the season, once he finally got given that starting opportunity in New York, I'm not worried about Saquon, who's a better all-around athlete, better all-around football player, mm -hmm. better all-around running back, having a phenomenal year, you know, this coming upcoming year. And given that he did tear his ACL, you know, earlier in the season, he's going to have a little bit longer time to recover um, than we've seen some guys come back from. So I do love him there. Um, our buddy Hugo went uh, Kyler Murray with the 108. Not the running back I would have, or the quarterback I would have taken in the first round in his situation. Um, Josh Allen went three picks later, and I personally probably would have led Allen there. Not that I don't believe in Kyler Murray, but I think we see – um, we saw this year especially that his upside is very much tied to his ability to run. And when he was banged up a little bit with that shoulder injury, he wasn't running as much. While I'm not a guy to typically project injuries as I look forward in a lot of situations unless it's a reoccurring thing, which with Kyler it hasn't been. But just seeing his upside limited so much to strictly running, I would probably lean Allen there just because I feel that Allen has a higher passing upside than Kyler Murray does. And then, AJ, you took Nick Chubb with the 109. Not who I would have taken again, I have but taken I totally either. understand. I, it, uh, my, back, my, my pick was Saquon. Yeah, I, he left two picks before. I didn't know who to take, so I took Nick Chubb. I mean, I thought he had a productive year in Cleveland, but it all depends on Baker Mayfield's health and his ability to, like, you know, extend games. So, I mean, uh, I'll let you go here in a second, but, like, you know, I, I, I followed it up with Devontae Adams, and we can get into that in a couple minutes here, but, like, you know, yeah, not the running back that I wanted. Like, I was really disappointed. 
Yeah, so I, I I mean I do like Nick Chubb. Obviously, he's a very talented yeah. running back. I think just in fantasy, due to his you know his his his, uh, his usage in the passing game being a little bit lower, like that's only my real my real yeah. only concern with Chubb. Um, clearly, like I said just a minute ago, he's the most talented pure runner in football. Like sure. there is not a guy I want running the ball more than Nick Chubb, just off mm-hmm. of what he can do with the ball in his hand. Um, that being said. I probably, if I was in your shoes, I would have picked the guy that I took um, with my second pick in the draft. I traded up from the 208 to the 204, um, and I took DeAndre Swift, who I think he was arguably, you know, when he got the, the chance to shine, he was a true running back, you know, late running back one, in my opinion. And I think with his, with especially the stuff that's come out with Anthony Lynn saying he thinks he's a 25 touch or a three down back, 25 touch a game three down back a game when we've seen their willingness to use him in the passing game last year. And we're going to Jared Goff, who is willing to dump it off to his running backs. As we saw some crazy numbers out of Todd Gurley for a few years there, you know, I think Swift has more upside in a PPR format than Nick Chubb does. Obviously in a standard format, I probably would have gone the route that you went. And then my brother Logan wrapped up the first round with a Tyreek Hill pick, which obviously he was the, he was the first wide receiver off the board and he's a great, Great first wide receiver to have come off the board, um, which he followed up with Josh Allen. We then saw other guys like uh, Justin Jefferson was the second wide receiver off the board. A little bit of a surprise to me. We had Zeke, Metcalf, Lamb, Justin Herbert, Lamar, and A.J. Brown. So, you know, the the first round definitely started the way that I thought it would. It was, you know, but as soon as we hit the second round, things started to get a little crazy, which is why I love Dynasty because everybody views it in a different way. Um, you have guys like... Uh, Joey, the guy who had our, our number one overall pick, yeah. he went very, very young with his draft. He's very clearly building for long-term, you know, attempting to build for long-term success. You have guys like me who have a mix of both. I have, you know, I have young guys like Mahomes. I have young guys like Gibson, Jalen Hurts, uh, Darnell Mooney. You know, I have young guys, Noah Fant, that are like the core of my roster. But I also... I don't like losing, so I want to be kind of in contention every year. So I took some veteran guys like, you know, a Stephon Diggs who's been around for a while, Austin Eckler, Julio Jones, <coughs> Ryan Tannehill. You know, so I built a roster that was very balanced. And then we have guys who are very clearly, you know, going kind of, I don't want to say all in, but building very heavily to, a, you know, a current year success with guys like, um, you know, Derrick Henry, Deshaun Watson. Uh, Mark Andrews, Kenny Galladay, Robert Woods, like building an older core of players who are going to make him a competitive team right away. Um, I really like the way that the draft turned out um, for me specifically. Um, just some guys that I thought I got at very good value too. Jalen Hurts fell all the way to me at the 608, um, which is, in my opinion, way too far for him to, to fall in drafts, um, especially in a super flex format where two quarterbacks are going to be out there. His rushing upside alone puts him as a top 10 quarterback, in, you know, just, just for me. Um, and to let for everybody to let him fall, I couldn't pass on that. I couldn't pass on Julio on the turn there at the 7-3 either. Yes, he's coming off of a bad year where he was hurt a ton, but he's still Julio Jones. Like, he's only 31. He's coming off multiple thousand yard seasons in a row prior to this one. Like I'm just not as worried as I think some others are in this situation. Um, Tannehill falling to me at 10:08, a steal. Um, guys like Gabe Davis falling to the 15th round. You know, Darnell Mooney in the 12th. You know, 
the league letting me get guys like Rashad, Rashad Higgins and Brashad Perriman, neither of them are going to be elite wide receivers, but having depth like that at your 20th and 21st round pick, like there's just a lot. I can't complain. I'm not going to complain about that. I don't know if you want to go into your team a little bit, AJ, um, as oh, well. Sure. But there's a lot of picks that you made that I like. Yeah, I mean, I like my team, but like you know, like I said earlier, I I, I wasn't I wasn't happy with the pick at one uh, one point zero nine with uh, Nick Chubb. I mean, like you know, I I, I mean, like you know, I, I don't know how Cleveland is going to come out next year. They could they could come out shaky to start the year like they did this year. They really just kept on putting their pedal on the gas and just kept on going and went to the playoffs. But you know what what. What worries me about this Cleveland team is like, what if Chubb doesn't have a good day and they just roll with uh, Kareem Hunt? That's my only worry. Now, if I had Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on the same team, it would be different, but I don't. So, I mean, you know, like like you said, Jake, I mean, Nick Chubb is one of the best runners or probably is the best runner in, in all of football right now. And, you know, I followed it up with Zach Moss as his backup. Um, I took the best receiver in football, Devontae Adams, and followed it up with the third or fourth best receiver in football, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I thought I think he can have a better year than he did last year. It just depends on, like, you know, um, how much Kyler Murray can get him involved because, you know, you have other guys like, you know, Chase Edmonds back there. You have um, Christian Kirk on the other side. Um, they have this tight end. I don't know what his name. I keep blanking on these uh, NFL names. I just, uh, I don't know. But, um, you know, then I got Darren Waller. I, that was Jake's target. So I had to take Darren Waller when he fell into my lap. Uh, I don't know if he fell into my lap. You know, he was the sixth pick, uh, the sixth pick of Mike of my team but you know scored Darren Waller then I scored Mike Evans scored Adam Thielen um then it kind of fell off for me from there I had James White he's my third backup running back Sterling Shepard who maybe could have a decent year with Saquon back so if they can open up the run game they can pass a, lo a little bit there um with Danny Dimes there um looking at my bench guys I did pick Baker Mayfield Cam Newton I don't know what the situation for Cam Newton is, but like I don't know if he's going to be in New England. But we're just going to have to see what happens in free agency. But you know Baker Mayfield. The only situation about Baker Mayfield is um, my other quarterback in my starting lineup right now is no other than seven-time Super Bowl winning champion Tom Brady. Um, but he did say he was going to come back, but I don't know if Tom Brady is going to repeat that 44 or 43 yard, um, 43 touchdown season. We'll just have to see. Um, uh, with Tom Brady but like you know going back to Baker Mayfield I like you know he was he was that best quarterback on the board at that time um you know guys like Joe Burrow um Aaron Rodgers um Josh Allen were all my targets but uh, I think um you took you took Justin Herbert right Jake no uh Ryan did after oh, we right. traded so I traded um in I uh in the turn of the first round Ryan texted um, in our group chat about making an offer, oh, wanting okay. to trade back a little bit in the second round, um, which okay. I think he was targeting Herbert and probably knew mm -hmm. he could get him a little bit later, didn't want to reach for him. Mm -hmm. um, so we swapped uh, second round picks. I gave him a 13th and he gave me a 15th, but I also got a second rookie pick out of it, which was, you know, a second first round rookie pick. So I'm picking at the rookie 106 and 108, which is something that I really like. Um, mm -hmm. And I honestly kind of drafted my roster around knowing where I was picking um, yeah. in those situations. Like the guys that I can target, because I'm, I'm already in quarterback heavy, I'm not necessarily going to be targeting a guy like 
a, you know, a Justin Fields, a Trey Lance, a Trevor Lawrence. Like I'm not targeting those guys, even with the format that we have. Um, so I was fine taking a little bit of a later rookie pick, um, you know, with the six and the eight, obviously you're not going to, you know, compete for one of those top two or three quarterbacks really. Um, but it gives me a good spot in the draft and you're picking the rookie one Oh four too, if I'm not mistaken, which is, you know, that's a really great pick to have. I think in my opinion, that's kind of the point in the draft where you can, you know, Look quarterback, which is honestly what I would recommend you probably do, yeah. um, just based off the quarterbacks on your roster. But you also yeah. could you're in the range of a guy like a you know uh, an Etienne out of yeah. Clemson, a Najee Harris, uh, you know going wide receiver and going with Chase or Smith. You know I think you're in a really good spot there to be able to set yourself up for some sex with, uh, success with that draft pick as well. But yeah, and like and yeah, like Jake mentioned, you know, that trade with uh, you know, with you and Kyle, and Kyle got Justin Herbert. Like you know, you don't want to risk that. If if like if you do pass on Justin Herbert, then what's the guarantee of him being available in that third round? I would have probably picked him up um, instead of uh, instead of whoever I picked third, and that was um, my roster. That would have been I don't have it up, but like it Waller, Waller, exactly. So. Um, you know, Darren Waller for me is a guy that could, you know, get me a thousand yards, but if it's a, but if I can get a guy like Justin Herbert, who was the offensive rookie of the year, I mean, like he's only going to get better. I think, you know, Justin Herbert's a hell of an athlete, you know, I can't wait till football next year, uh, with fans hopefully, but like, you know, that would have been my target. Like I mentioned, Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers would have been my targets for my quarterback, but like, you know, I ended up with Tom Brady's Baker Mayfield, Cam Newton. The only question about Baker Mayfield uh, that I have, like I said, if he's, if he gets hurt. And he can't go, um, you know, they're going to lean heavy on the run with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and lean heavy on Kareem Hunt's passing game. So, I mean, like you mentioned, yeah, Jake, you're correct. You know, I got Tom Brady, Baker Mayfield, and Cam Newton. I'm definitely in the market for a quarterback in the rookie in the rookie draft. You know, I mean, of course, there's some um, other athletes out there like Devonta Smith, um, you know, Travis, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, you know, guys that can provide a spark to my offense, you know. But, like, the, the main people, the main position that provides sparks to your offense is a quarterback so I mean like hopefully you know if I can land a guy like Justin Fields or depending on where he lands it it um it, it might be beneficial for me or I just might roll with Baker Mayfield who really knows I mean I'm a I'm a I'm a man with 23 ideas yeah man uh, to be honest though I really like um for if if you know uh I mentioned it earlier, but if people aren't aware, if people are kind of new to the fantasy realm, this is a tight end premium league where tight ends yeah. get an extra half point per reception. So having a guy like Darren Waller in your roster, that's huge. Him and Travis Kelsey are cheat codes when it comes to you know this style, this format of the league. Um, but you also have really deep tight ends. You have Mike Gesicki, you have Jonu Smith, Austin Hooper, Dawson Knox. Like you snaked me on tight ends like four different times. I swear. And it was, you know, it tight ends an underappreciated position in fantasy football, just especially after this year, where if you're not playing in a premium format with them, then they're just a little bit less productive than you're going to be out of your wide receivers and tight ends. But, you know, the guys that were available here, you know, I got snaked on Blake Jarwin at tight end. I got snaked on Cole Komet, on Tanyan. You know, I got Noah Fant, Irv Smith. And uh, Jared Cook and Mo Ali Cox um, is my last round pick. So, you know, I've definitely got some tight ends there. Um, but that is a position that I definitely, you know, I'm looking to improve here. But um, that's, a, you know, I don't know if there's really much else to say about that draft. We'll obviously keep you guys updated um, on anything crazy that happens in our league. Um, once the season starts to keep you updated with our rosters, how they change, how they perform, that kind of thing. Um, but I really want to hop into my 
um, my dynasty rankings here. So, um, AJ, you know, I posted a poll on the Twitter account, um, basically asking what the people wanted to see and they want to know about running backs. I don't know about you, but running back is my favorite position in football. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, if you're if you're not able to run the ball, then you're going to be forced to pass. But, you know, in terms of dynasty, I actually love seeing electric electric running backs actually come into the NFL. I mean, we've seen, you know, guys like Derrick Henry and all that. And, like, I just want to keep talking about that. So, Jake, take it away, man. I mean, I know you have a couple of guys up there that I love at one, two, and three. Yeah, man. So, uh, as my running back one in dynasty um, – uh, all of my rankings, I follow a PPR format, by the way. So just keep that in mind as I'm doing the rankings. Um, Christian McCaffrey's the 101. Yes, he's coming off of a year where he was injured multiple times. Yes, he was coming off of a year where things necessarily didn't go the way that you know uh, us Christian McCaffrey owners wanted him to. That being said, the man averaged 30 points a game in the three games that he played. He's coming off, yes, we're at the age where running backs start to decline a little bit at 25. Um, in fantasy, anyway, they you know historically start to decline a little bit from age 25. But Christian McCaffrey comes with a skill set that no one else in football outside of Alvin Kamara really has, where he's a pass catcher first in most situations who just happens to also be a really good running back. He's going to continue to be a focal point of this offense going forward. There's no signs that they're going to slow down their usage of him, especially in a season where they really potentially could compete next year when guys are fully healthy. Um, so Christian McCaffrey falls very steadily into my 101 there. In my 102, I have Dalvin Cook. Now, a lot of people would probably put, you know, guys like Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara a little bit higher. My reasoning for Cook is very similar to my reasoning for McCaffrey in that, yes, he's got some injury concerns with him. Yes, he's a little bit older than some other backs, but Dalvin Cook is coming off of one of the best seasons that we've seen out of a running back you know, in a long time. Third most fantasy points per game last year amongst running backs, you know, averaging a little over 24 points a game. He's another guy that's used very heavily in the passing game, very leaned very heavily on in the rushing side of things. This is an offense that is built really around Dalvin Cook. Even though they, you have talented guys like Justin Jefferson and Austin and uh, not Austin Adam Thielen, you know, as your wide receivers, you got a, a talented young tight end in Irv Smith Jr. You've got a great offensive line, a good offensive line. I won't say great, but good offensive line, and a very underrated quarterback in Kirk Cousins. You know, this is a guy who's going to continue to be a true focal point of the offense um, for, I think, years to come. You know, they, they've locked him up. They want him there. He wants to be there. So I'm very confident in Cook being my second guy off the board. If I'm picking in the 102, like I said earlier, I'm probably leaning Dalvin Cook, if, assuming McCaffrey goes first. And then my 103 is where things start to get a little bit different for me than probably what you see out of many other rankings guys here. My 103, I'm kidding, is Alvin Kamara. Um, even with all the concerns that I have um, about the changing offense in um, in New Orleans with the quarterback change being, you know, potentially being there, whether that's we see Taysom Hill, whether Breeze randomly decides to come back, whether we see Jameis Winston, whether they draft a quarterback, whether they go free agency and try and pick someone else up. Alvin Kamara is Alvin Kamara. He's one of the most electric players in the game when you get the ball in his hands. He's a touchdown machine, as obvious by the fact that he almost had an eight-touchdown game this year. You know, he had a six-touchdown game. You know, Kamara 
is, again, the offense runs through Kamara. Whether they're giving him the ball and letting him run the ball, whether he's a focal point in the passing game where he had the second most receptions per game out of any running back in football this year, he puts up insane numbers week in and week out. And his injury concerns to me aren't that big of a deal. Yes, he's been knocked up, knocked up, knocked uh, around a little bit more than other running backs due to workload and just due to some of the injuries he's gotten. Um, but I've I've still got him comfortably in the 103. Um, I don't know if you have any opinions on anything I've said so far, AJ, but what do you think of my first three guys so far? Honestly, like uh, you told me this before. I mean, I love CMC at uh, 1.01. I mean, like I think he's the best running back in football. Um, You know, when healthy, when 100% healthy, Christian McCaffrey is a 2200 all-purpose guy. Like, he's going, even maybe more, I don't know. Like, when he's healthy, like, I think David Tepper made it really clear that, like, we want to save our future with the future that we're going to draft um, new owners of the Panthers. So, you know, I mean, that's just, like, you know, the owner that cares about about Christian McCaffrey, and he worries about the future. And like like you said, you know, he, he is the first one. So, you know, keep an eye out for Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, in a lot of dynasty leagues and a lot of fantasy football leagues, he's going um, first overall. He was my first overall pick last year, but it didn't work out because he was hurt. But it's okay, you know. you got to run it back uh, every year and try to win the next year, baby. But, like, you know, love the, love uh, Alvin Kamara there. No, not sorry, not Alvin Kamara. I lied. Whoa. Christian McCaffrey there at one. Uh, second guy I love is the guy that you mentioned out of Minnesota, Dalvin Cook. Um, he's got everything there. You know, he's got Adam Thielen, he's got Justin Jefferson, he's got Kyle Rudolph, he's got a good offensive line, like you mentioned. I wouldn't say great, but good. Um, then an underrated quarterback in Kirk Cousins, which, like, as a Bears fan, you know, I'm worried about every time we face the Vikings because you can see a bad Kirk or a good Kirk. But like, you know, if you see a good if you see a good Kirk, Jake. That he's gonna ball. He's gonna throw over three hundred yeah. yards, three touchdowns. He's gonna have a seventy-five percent completion rate. You do not want to be on Kirk Cousins' bad side when he's playing good football. And this is just like you know, as to say, like we saw it. Um, I think last year when they faced the Saints in the playoffs, you know how he drove down the field and he passed it off to Kyle Rudolph to go play the um, 49ers in the NFC Championship game or divisional game. I keep forgetting, but, you know, like, they were able to take down the Saints that way. And, like, you know, like, if you can play good football, like like we just mentioned, and with Kirk Cousins with an offense that they had um, then, but they didn't have Justin Jefferson, right? But now that they have Justin Jefferson, they got two good wide receivers on the outside. They got Kyle Rudolph, and, again, that offensive line, you know, there's no reason why Dalvin Cook shouldn't be the second pick in that dynasty draft. And the third pick, you know, Alvin Kamara. Yes, was it Alvin Kamara? Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay, yeah, what... You know what? Only thing that bothers me about Alvin Kamara is the quarterback issue there in New Orleans. I really think that the Saints actually might make a move in the top 12 and try to get Trey Lance. Because I don't think that organization is anywhere near to start Taysom Hill at quarterback. You know, I think we're going to see a couple of different things that happen in New Orleans. Of course, you know, as as a team that is in deep debt and salary cap and stuff, you know, we've seen a lot of people move money around, but I don't think the Saints can do that. But like, you know, at the end of the day i think they will you know billion dollar franchises can get back on their feet and you know they might be down like 10 to 10 to 15 million but they can shed off a lot of things by you know cutting to different people you know drew Brees is drew Brees is gone that saves some money but like you know back to the whole quarterback situation there i mean like i don't know how alvin Kamara will fare 
I think whoever the quarterback is there uh, or whoever might go to the Saints, um, I think Jameis is a free agent and he's not going to be there. So, and it's only down to Taysom Hill there. So, I mean, what Taysom Hill has to basically do is just hand the ball off. But the only issue I have, again, is like defenses will pick up, pick up on that. You know, they'll stack the box against Taysom Hill and um, and Alvin Kamara. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the Saints do from a team aspect of things and how they supply Alvin Kamara with the Drew Brees, um, Drew Brees-esque quarterback. I mean, that's what they need for Alvin Kamara to keep having those um, 1,700 or 22,000-yard all-purpose seasons. I, I, I That's just my opinion, I think. Yeah, man. Great analysis there. Um, I agree. With, obviously, we agree on a lot of things in those first couple guys. Now this, as I kind of alluded to earlier, um, this is where my rankings probably start getting a little bit different than rankings of a lot of guys that you see out there. Uh, at the 104, I still have Saquon Barkley there. Um, if he's, you know, yep. as, purely from a running back perspective, like if he's still available, I just, I love his upside. I love what he's going to be able to do. Like people knock his performance this year. Which his I don't get one why. bad game, like obviously, he had one game. So against Pittsburgh, yeah, where Pittsburgh really good defense at the time, and still, yeah, one of the best, if not the best, defense in football when fully healthy. They were just focusing the run. They basically just said, you know what? We know that they can't throw the ball. Their receivers can't beat our guys in coverage, so they're going to run the ball a lot. So what did they do? They stacked the box, and when you have guys like Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt, Robert Spillane, like when you have these guys in the box, you're not going to be able to do a whole lot of anything, especially when they're focusing so heavily on the run. But the game against Chicago, he has four carries for 28 yards before he got hurt with just a super unfortunate injury. But even in that first game against Pittsburgh, he still had nine targets. He still had six receptions for 60 yards, so he still had a productive – you know, overall first game. And that's what we're going to continue to see moving forward. I think out of Saquon, obviously, yes, he has some injury concerns now that he went down with the high ankle sprain in 2019. He's got the knee injury here. He's coming back. He's only 24 years old. He's coming back strong. He's one of the you know biggest workout warriors in football where he, he'll never stop working out. He'll never stop getting stronger and, you know, building up his body, but he's continually being used very heavily in the passing game. That number, that passing usage definitely like dipped down in 2019, um, but I don't see any reason it can't get back. And if you get that 2019 level of performance out of Saquon, but you get that over a full season, he's going to be right back into a top five running back contention. So I have no issues putting him there. When I start to look at the like the fifth running back that I have ranked here, um, this is where I start to take youth a little bit more into consideration on top of workload. And for me, I have Jonathan Taylor here at the 105. You could probably make an argument for Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, guys like that, um, who'll be in this top 10 a little bit later. But Jonathan Taylor has the keys to this Colts offense. You know, there was a there was a few games in the middle of the season where he was a little banged up. We didn't he wasn't, you know, being used as much. He was being used, you know, it almost seemed like he was being punished a little bit um, in that offense, you know, especially after the fumble against Baltimore. Like it just seemed like they were a little bit more hesitant to use him. But starting from week 11, 22 carries for 90 yards, 13 carries for 91 yards, 20 carries for 150 yards. He had a 30 carry game where he had 253 yards and two touchdowns like his usage just picked up as the season went on and as he developed and and grew into that offense he turned himself into a top five you know running back in my opinion plus 
He's only 22 years old. He's still very young. He's still got a lot of projectability moving forward, and he just fits that offense really well. Obviously, it's going to look different this year without Phillip Rivers at quarterback, but I just like the upside there, and they aren't afraid to throw him the ball. He still got, he averaged a little over three targets a game, um, which is something that I think you definitely have to consider with a guy like him moving forward is he's got some of the passing upside more so than Derrick Henry. He's got the rushing upside, clearly. He just had a 1,000-yard season, averaged five yards a carry. You know, we're seeing a young star in the making, and I think he's just going to continue to grow on that. Um, when we get to the sixth-ranked running back that I have, we're looking at Derrick Henry. Um, while, I, you know, like I said, he is limited on the passing upside side of things, um, averaging just over one reception or one, uh, yeah, one reception per game, um, he's – he leads the leagues in attempts per game. He led the league in yards last year. His usage has just kept going up and up, and he's mm-hmm. continued to be you know, a, a, more of a focal point in that offense. He's led the league in attempts two years in a row, led the league in touchdowns two years in a row, led the league in yards two years in a row, led the league in touches and total yards from scrimmage this year. Like, There's just no way that he's he, – yes, in theory, you can stop Derrick Henry. But as we've seen in practice, you really can't stop Derrick Henry. He had a better season this year than he had last year. And everybody swore up and down last year that he was going to regress like crazy. Yet he improved in various metrics. He improved his yards per game. He scored more touchdowns. He improved his yards per attempt. He caught less passes. But otherwise, he just continued to develop as a player. And while I have him a little bit lower, that's mostly due to age. He's 27. Eventually his age is going to start to catch up to him a little bit. But, and as like a fifth or sixth running back off the board, I got no concerns about Derrick Henry. When we start looking at the, the seventh ranked guy that I have on the board, um, it's Nick Chubb. Um, they're like I said, neck and neck for me in terms of pure running skill. I think Chubb has a little bit more receiving upside. Um, but again, he's, you know, Chubb's just a guy who's going to be a focal point of his offense. And even as we've seen, even with a guy like Kareem Hunt in the backfield with him, you know, he hasn't seeded touches really at all. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you mentioned, uh, Saquon there who like, I love, you know, I'm a big fan of Saquon. Um, you mentioned, uh, Nick Chubb and you know these two guys and also Derrick Henry and these are my favorite running backs in these leagues I mean obviously I like the top three that you mentioned too but like these are also like running backs that actually you know change games too like you know Saquon Barkley like if he didn't get hurt I think I think I think New York was a division of how it actually went down you know I, I mean you know you really look at that team and you really look at how Wayne Goldman's been playing yo honestly there is not a single concern in my in my brain about Saquon Barkley not getting 1,500 rushing yards this season. I think he can. I think he's mad. He is big mad, and he wants to try to actually, you know, stay in New York. I think he loves New York. So, I mean, like, you know, New York is an area where, you know, they could try to actually build a team and build a contender. You know, I think that's what New York is trying to do, but they need guys there. So, you know, say you start with Saquon and you build from there. And, you know, going back to his performances, you know, this man, like you mentioned, like, you know, he had that game against Chicago where he got hurt and he ended up missing the season. But before that, like, I think the first game he had, like, he was just nine yards shy of 100 yards against the best defense in the league and you know moving on to guys like Derrick Henry people said like you said Jake people said that he would regress you know I didn't think that he would regress you know Derrick Henry is a tank you know 
And this guy, like, if you if you're standing right in front of him, like I haven't really seen Derrick Henry, but I've seen him at an Alabama game when they came to play Kentucky, and I was in school. This was like a couple of years ago when he was on Alabama. Um, this guy, like, he's standing on the sidelines. This guy is like the size of a, a G and E fridge. That's how look like, like he is well built around to like just like. Like, if you're standing in front of him, he just lowers his shoulder, you're on the ground. Like, this man, like, uh, obviously, like, his age is going to catch up to him. But, you know, Derrick Henry, like, he is that offense. He's the Tennessee Titans offense unless Ryan Tannehill decides to, you know, have a Russell Wilson-esque type season. And because that's all they need to do. They just need their quarterback to go out there and to lift some of the burden off of Derrick Henry's shoulders and actually go into the playoffs and I think Tennessee can win the Super Bowl if they can get the quarterback position a little bit more stronger I think so I mean you know like Derrick Henry is a big part of that offense and you know I don't see him regressing I mean I might see him regress when he's like 30 or 31 like you know you know if we if y'all remember Matt Forte when he got his new deal at the age of 27 you know he just went off in the first two years so it was really cool to see that so I mean like now looking at you know guys like Derrick Henry he's nowhere near what Matt Forte well Derrick Henry is better than what Matt Forte was but you know he's like 27 is nothing to me Jake like I think he's gonna you know keep on steamrolling people until he turns 30 to 31 like you know he's he's well built he's he's strong as hell I mean you know like his strength is just through the roof I mean like like when you see him get the ball you know like you're like you, you immediately think that he's gonna get stuffed right but he carries people seven yards, and he doesn't. He refuses to go down. So I don't know where this regress in this talk came from last year. Yeah, I think a lot of it was just because they hadn't seen really what Derrick Henry can do. Um, but you know, it was good to see him prove. You know, all the all the people who knocked on him and his production. You know, it's, it was good to see that him kind of knock yeah. that back. Um, oh yeah. When I look at my running backs, eight, nine, and ten for the year. I think there's very good arguments for all of these guys to be within the top five running backs in football. Um, my eighth ranked running back, even though I just said I would draft him higher than I would draft Chubb or Henry, is DeAndre Swift. Um, the reason I have him ranked a little bit behind is we haven't truly seen what he can do in a workhorse role yet. Um, he's, you know, he was limited in his abilities to get playing time because Matt Patricia is a, a brain dead idiot who doesn't know how to coach a football team. Um, when Adrian, Pe when Adrian Peterson is coming out and saying, this guy should have been starting over me since week three, like just seeing the way that he was used was so infuriating where he's getting like five touches a game, you know, five yeah. rushing touches a game three or four receptions, you know, over those first like four or five weeks of the season. Like, it's just embarrassing. Like you use so much draft capital on him taking this guy with the 35th overall pick, like very early in the second round, you're taking this guy. He's a true, like he's a true round one talent who just happened to fall a little bit, just due yeah. to teams valuing the running back position a little bit less in the draft. Mm -hmm. Like what he's, what we've seen him do with the ball in his hands. Once he was truly given the ability to be a star in that offense, you know, averaging over almost four and a half to five yards of carry every single game. Once he got, you know, he obviously missed some time with the concussion, but as a starter, like he put up, he was the running back 20 in all of football. So a, a true RB two while missing three games and not getting hardly any touches for six of the seven weeks or six of the 17 weeks of the season. Like 
his usage was so low, but the productive like productivity ended up being so high for what he did. When he when you look at what he did, when he puts up the receiving numbers that he does, when he puts up the rushing numbers that he does, like it's hard to like it's hard for me to rank him lower. Like his upside is so high, especially when you have an offensive coordinator like Anthony Lynn coming in, who uses a guy with his with Swift skill set, a very similar skill set, and Austin Eckler, guy who's really good at catching passes out of the backfield, but also can run both between the tackles, run through the edges. You know, we're seeing a guy like him come over and say that I think DeAndre Swift's a top, you know, a twenty-five touch a game guy. Give me every Swift stock that I can get because. At that value, like it's hard to believe that I have him ranked eighth. I really think he's going to end the season as a top five running back and a top five dynasty asset in general. Um, when we go look at the ninth position, this is where you know I think these two guys. You could probably make an argument for them being higher. I think you could probably make an argument for maybe them not being in the top ten, um, like some other guys would be. Um, my running back nine is Cam Akers. Cam Akers, again, is a guy who, he's a guy who came into the season with, you know, some draft capital behind him being a second round running back. But as we saw in this McVay offense, they rotated the running backs a lot. So they had, um, you know, Daryl Henderson as the original starter with Malcolm Brown as the backup and then Akers as the three. Um, towards the end of the season, we saw that flip around where Akers was the starter for the last five games that they played counting playoffs. What we saw out of him was a guy who can take 20-some touches a game and just keep running and just keep running. He had 28 touches in a game. He had 29 t- rushes in a game, you know, over 30 touches multiple times. Like what we've seen him be able to do um, – is really a testament to his skill set and his ability to be a, a phenomenal runner between the tackles. Also get outside a little bit, get a little bit of work in the passing game, something that picked up as the season went on. But I have acres in my top 10. Um, I debated on the, there's three or four guys for these last two spots that I really debated on um, between acres, James Robinson, Gibson and Zeke. Um, and I think there's arguments for all of those guys. We have a bunch of talented running backs in the NFL right now. Um, my running back 10 is James Robinson. I was struggling a lot with J- between Robinson and Zeke um, for this spot. While I do love Zeke's upside, I don't think he's as bad as we saw last year. They were playing with garbage men, arguably, as offensive linemen for a good portion of the season. And we saw his his receiving upside go from, you know, multiple games of seven, eight to eight to seven to eleven targets drop all the way down to two, three, four targets a game. You know, his his receiving upside kind of just disappeared. Um, I think that comes back with, you know, assuming debt comes back, assuming the offensive line gets healthy. Like, I have a hard time not, like, seeing Zeke not return to the level that he was at. Um, but for me, with James Robinson, he's a guy who very clearly has the skill set. You know, he's an Illinois State guy. He's a local guy from Rockford, Illinois for us. So obviously, like, I I got to see him play a little bit in high school. I got to see him play at Illinois State. He's a guy who has true three-down upside where he's – He's a he's a very talented runner, probably underappreciated as a pure runner in the NFL. But his pass catching, you know, his pass catching uh, skill set is very good too. He can run routes well. He's got solid hands. Um, you know, he's just an all around super talented guy. And he's a guy who took an opportunity that was given to him and he just ran away with it. 
I remember last year when they announced that they were releasing Fournette, I was grabbing guys in the draft like, you know, Zigbo, uh, Ogbonwale, I think that's how you say his name, J- um, Chris Thompson. Like, I was grabbing the backups on that roster, hoping one of them hit, not even thinking about James Robinson because he had no draft capital behind him. But they gave him the – he earned that starting spot in camp, and they, he just ran away with it. He was yep. a true top five fantasy player this year. Um, actually, let me fact check that little part there. Top, so he, he missed one game, um, but he still ended the season as running back six or running back seven in PPR. So He's still close you know, enough. Having I mean. that upside, exactly. Like that's true. Like top five potential, and that's with a couple bad games in there. Yeah. Like his, their game against Detroit, like they just sold Detroit just sold out on the run because. What are you going to do? You're going to let Jacksonville, mm-hmm. who's trying to lose every game, beat you passing? No. So they just sold out on the run. He only had 2.4 ca- yards per carry. But he has monster games where he bounces back, and he has you know 22 carries for 128 yards and a touchdown. Like <clears throat> His upside is so high. And I think we only saw like kind of the, in my opinion, I don't want to say the floor, but somewhere between his floor and his ceiling when it came to the passing work that he got, um, it, p- it picked up a little bit more towards the end of the season. But I think he's a lot more useful as a pass catcher than he gets credit for. So that's something that because of that upside, because of his age, because of you know him having really no competition for his role in Jacksonville, I've got Robinson as a top 10 asset, and that's a hill I'm going to die on. Yeah, um, like uh, you said Austin Eckler. I was just about to say that. Yeah, they've got a him, Swift, and Robinson. I think they have very similar skill sets and what they can do. Um, being you know multi down guys who can pa- catch, pa- catch passes out of the backfield. Obviously, Eckler's been around for a little yeah. bit longer, but um, with Swift and Robinson being rookies, like I can only see them going up from here. So you know, I'm hard set on those guys being you know top fantasy assets moving forward. Couple of questions for you, Jake. Though, like, there's a couple of running backs that I like. You know, where do you where do you see? Like, I really like your list, but where do you see the future of Jonathan Taylor there in the Colts? So I'm gonna give you three running backs. Just just talk about them briefly. You know, um, I think you talked about the the, uh, the the ten that you just talked about, but you know, Jonathan Taylor. Like, what? How do you see his outlook? Uh, give me an outlook for Joe Mixon with Joe Burrow being healthy, and where do you see Josh Jacobs being being in that rank? Like, I, I know it's going to be after those ten that you had, but like, how do you see those three um, contributing in their offices? Because obviously, you know, Jonathan Taylor doesn't have Philip Rivers anymore, so there's a question about a quarterback there. You know, Austin Eckler's coming off of a really bad hamstring torn off the bone injury, but like, you know, he played. Um, as he came back but like you know Joe Mixon like um, he got hurt and then he came back who played exceptionally well but he didn't have Joe Burrow so talk about those three yeah um, so for me the like the guy I would rank the lowest there is Mixon Um, while I think he's obviously he's obviously a super talented player but like we haven't seen him He's been given opportunity after opportunity for you know multiple years now, and he has one or two big games here and there, but otherwise he's a very underwhelming fantasy asset. Um, he's got decent level of passing work, you know, 30 to 40 catches a year typically. Um, this year his passing work definitely ticked up. Um, even though he was only played six games, he had 21 receptions on 26 targets. So there is a lot of upside there to mix in. I just don't. As he gets older, you know, the injury concerns start to worry me a little bit more. Um, He's 24, though, so he's still pretty young. Um, But, you know, I just – 
I'm hesitant with Mixon. Um, I, I kind of went a little heavier than I normally than I typically would have with him this past year, um, which is something that I regret. Um, obviously, you know, you can't predict injury or anything like mm-hmm. that, but the potential sure. is definitely there. Um, my next guy in line would be um, I, I have obviously I have Taylor as a top ten asset, so he's going to be way up there. I think even with Rivers, you know, not being there, like I don't really think that affects his 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 ceiling all that much. I think arguably getting him a better quarterback might open up a little bit more, sorry, running use for him. And I think in the passing game, he'll probably see an uptick there as well. Um, Rivers as a receiving running back, you almost need a little bit of time. Um, especially if you're, if you've got like a block and release route, or if you're running like a wheel route or a Texas route, you need a little more time just to beat, you know, beat your coverage. Um, and Rivers being such a rhythm, you know, Quick drop, one, two, boom, guy. Um, I think his, you know, receiving upside is higher than we saw this year. So that's, you know, I've obviously got Taylor as a top five, you know, arguably top five to ten running back. Um, Jacobs is probably the most interesting case for me of the guys you mentioned. Um, while obviously he's a very talented runner of the ball, we saw when he did in game one this year where he went for 93 yards and three touchdowns. Like he's very clearly like an uber talented guy. My issue with Jacobs is, is he struggles to sustain success um, running the ball. He's not really used in the passing game. He's had a couple decent games here and there of like three catches or four catches. Um, I, and yes, they've had some concerns with the offensive line not being good in either season that he's had with the offensive line getting hurt. You know, these are all things that we've seen, but I just have a lot of concerns with Jacobs. I do think he bounces back and I think he probably ends up being better than he was this year where he was the, he was very similar to Tyler Lockett and he, in that he had a few really big games and then a lot of really meh games, um, I'd probably have him ranked higher than Mixon, but it'd be close. Um, I've probably got Jake. I've got Jacobs in my top 15. Mixon just outside my top 15, but he's he's 16th. He's right there. Um, you can't like if in the middle rounds of the draft if they're available. That's you know Mixon and Jacobs are guys that I'm definitely looking for. Probably starting after round three. You know, want some good tight ends, especially if you're in a super flex format like we are, where tight ends um, and quarterbacks are going earlier. Um, you know, getting them in that like third to seventh round range, if they're available there, I'm probably taking them. Um, but yeah, I, I, Jacobs, I think he's got the tools to succeed in the NFL, but it'll be important to see how he bounces back this next year if that offensive line can play better, if that offense as a whole can play better, because there were just times where that offense blatantly just struggled. You know, they lost five games in a row on large part for their fact their defense couldn't really stop much and their offense just didn't do a whole lot, you know, especially like playing a a horrible defense in Atlanta and scoring six points. Like you can't win if your offense. And that was after the chiefs game too. Yep. That was right afterwards. Wow. Damn. Anyways. And I think that was at, uh, in Atlanta. So that, that was a big win for Atlanta too. So, you know, that was, that was awesome. Great. Good, good to see like a team like Atlanta, just like, you know, bring the morale, morals, morales up to win that game. So, you know, it was really cool. But like, you know, I mean, these are just, this is a phenomenal list of running backs. You know, I love Cam Akers. I love guys like JK Dobbins. We didn't even talk about him, but like, you know, we can talk about him in, in a different podcast or, you know, um, but like, you know, JK Dobbins is one of the guys that I like that could, you know, overtake that role and actually become a tier two, tier three type running back. I don't know about tier one because I don't know like most of these guys that could 
um, because, you know, that, that entire offense in Baltimore um, evolves around Lamar Jackson. And if he's going to have 85 yards, then Jacob Dobbins is not going to have over 70 yards. So, I mean, same thing with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know, uh, Williams is going to be back next year, um, Damian Williams. So he's going to be the starting running back. So, I mean, and uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is just going to back him up. You know, Antonio Gibson is just another example of that, you know. Um, J.D. McKissick is there in Washington. Uh, DeAndre Swift, I really hope that, like, he, like you mentioned him, Jake. Um, this is the last mention of running backs, obviously. Um, then it's just, you know, guys like James Robinson, who I think that will actually have a good season. Um, Dan Montgomery will have a good season. Um, and then it just goes on from there. I mean, like, another guy that I like to point out is Asia Dillon. Um, of the Green Bay Packers. I don't think they're going to re-sign Aaron Jones. I think he's going to find a new team. And A.J. Dillon, um, he is literally another Aaron Jones, but um, just a lot more powerful in his runs and he when he fin- when he finishes those runs. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, Leonard Fournette, he's going to get his bag probably in Tampa Bay. Um, I don't think the Glazers will have an issue paying him because he definitely rejuvenated his career there in Tampa Bay after being in a um, swamp of Terrible ownership in um, in Jacksonville. So um, just going back to like you know guys like Antonio Gibson and Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and of course DeAndre Swift. And the main part is of these three is DeAndre Swift. He was um, being coached by a coach that was Neanderthal. He had no idea what he was doing. Um, so I mean like you know maybe maybe with Matt Campbell and um, maybe with Anthony Lynn as their new offensive coordinator. I don't know how well that's going to be played, like how well of a combo that's going to be for DeAndre Swift. But I, I want to see what happens. You know, I mean, you have De- uh, you have DeAndre Swift. You have Carryon Johnson. Uh, I don't know if AP is going to be there. But, you know, you have those two running backs. And let's see what happens. You know, obviously, you know, they traded away um, Matthew Stafford. They have a, a top seven pick. Maybe they get a rookie QB. Uh, and they also have another pick in the first round. So we'll just see. You know, I mean, like these running backs, their production could increase when they have playmakers around them. And, you know, if, if Detroit hits on their first two first round picks and if it's one is a quarterback and one is an offensive line you best believe DeAndre Swift is going to get that ball a lot in Detroit yeah so just just two quick comments before we wrap up with your bets um, that you've got for this weekend Um, I do think Antonio Gibson is going to be a running back one uh, either end of the line running back one or a top running back two this coming year Um, while McKissick is there um, I think they really showed a desire to have Gibson be the guy as long as he's healthy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, giving him the rushing upside, especially as they continue to improve. You know, once they get a quarterback in there, once they get a couple more receivers yeah. and they actually have, you know, other targets in there, I think he's got the build to be a true running back one. He's got the skill set. You know, he's a converted guy, you know, played mostly, if I'm not mistaken, played mostly wide receiver in college. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, having a guy like him, like he's only going to continue to improve as a runner. Um, so I'm super high on him. Um, and then the other guy that you brought up, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I'm high on him as well. I don't think that Williams is really going to come back and get the starting job. Um, Edwards-Hilaire, they've got too much draft capital wrapped up in him. Um, I think we'll probably pick, see a yeah. very similar split to what we saw this year where we saw this year where Lev Bell, you know, kind of played that role. I think we'll probably see Clyde be be the guy with Damian, you know, Williams is kind of the backup there. Um, I just don't see him coming back and really threatening for a starting spot. I mean, the only reason he was even a starting running back in the NFL anyway was because of um, 
that was when what's his face got cut. Um, um, when Kareem Hunt, Kareem right? Hunt got cut. Yeah, yeah when he was yeah, no, cut, I, was... I mean, that was really the only reason that you know he even got a chance to be a starter. Um, I'm just not super high on him. Like, I think he's got like he's he's a good role player, but just for me, like. I've got Edward Tillaire ranked so much higher. Like, I don't have Damian in my top, like, 40 running backs, honestly. Like, I'm just not worried about him coming in and contesting too much for for touches. Yeah, I mean, like like you mentioned, like, you know, I mean, like, he could get a couple of touches. He could be actually Clyde, um, Hilaire, um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire's backup. I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting for the time that, like, you know, Andy Reid passes the torch over to over to Hilaire because we haven't seen him this year as much. So, I mean, like, I, I think he's an impressive running back. I mean, he played exceptionally well at LSU, that championship team with Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow, of course. But, you know, I, I mean, I really want to see him. You know, I mean, I think he had more of a limited role this year. So, I, I like, I agree with you. I mean, like, you know, I, I don't think, like Williams is threatening I just think that like maybe if if something were to happen in training camp and like if injuries were to happen like you know he could he could take that starting role but like you know I don't see it because you know you, you spent a 25th overall pick to go get Clyde Edwards or Laird from from LSU so I mean like you know I see him as a starting running back it's just you know like he was more of a, a limited running back here I think and it was Darrell Williams taking more of the slack here so I mean like I don't I didn't really know but like you know now that from that intel that you just said, you know, I really think that like he's going to be a starter now. So uh, we'll just have to see. You know, Andy Reid is just a hell of a coach. I, I like you said, Jake, in the beginning of the podcast, they're going to be back. You know, they're going to have, you know, obviously they're going to draft better. They're going to have their obviously they're going to have their first round pick, like you know many normal organizations do. So. Um, you know they're going to be able to draft a playmaker in the first or second round. I don't know. I don't know what their draft picks are looking like, but like I'm, I'm looking at it right here. They have one, two, three, four, and five, so uh, they can get some playmakers. You know they're going to be picking 31. So I mean, you know, like this, this draft is super deep. So we're just going to see what happens with the Chiefs. But I think they'll be back in the Super Bowl for a third consecutive year. I mean, that's just probably a really early, early prediction. But like that, that, that team is a juggernaut still, and it's not. Um, easily to be underestimated. Don't don't underestimate the Chiefs. That's it. Don't underestimate Clark Hunt and all those guys there. They'll they'll be back. So um, moving on into my NBA bets, I really just have two. I don't really have a big slate here, Jake. I mean, like you know the NHL. You know I didn't really like those games, but like you know the Kings won yesterday. We got our fourth win finally. Um, you know. You know, I'm a big Kings fan, you know, I'm from L.A., so, you know, to see them just just win just brings me a lot of joy and a lot of happiness. They scored eight goals in that game, and the Kings scored six of them. You know, granted, the Sharks aren't really a good team. But you know, I'm really, I'm really impressed by the performance that um, that Byfield put on, that Anzi Kopitar put on, and Grundstrom put on, and uh, Anderson Dolan put on, and obviously, you know, um, Dottie with three assists there. You know, I mean, he sees he sees the, the ice like no one else there in LA. So I mean, it was really cool to have you know Dolan come out there and actually you know provide a goal and an assist, and Grundstrom pro, um, provide a goal and assist too. So I mean, you know, Kopitar is more of a uh, more of a ang- anchor. In that game so it's just really cool to see you know LA with a um uh with a rebuilding type franchise um just win a game so uh moving on to NBA if Jake doesn't have anything um of the NHL you do have the blue on uh, the Bruins and the Rangers and the Blues and Coyotes um 
Uh, think about that, Jake, for a second, and let me just upcast my NBA plays now. So the two plays that I have for the NBA is I have um, the Kings over the Magic. Uh, I really think the Kings on a rest, they can beat the Magic. The Magic have played um, the last two games in the last three days. Um, they just lost to the Warriors yesterday in a hardly contested matchup, and they lost to the Blazers on Tuesday of this week, too. So they're playing the back-to-back, and the Magic are going to have to travel up to Sacramento. I mean, it's not that far from Santa Clara from where the Warriors play, but, you know, history in the NBA states that you play back-to-back, you're not going to be able to play well. So give me the Kings there by the spread. I always bet the spread, no money line. The money line is going to be really expensive. But if you want to throw 100 bucks on minus 300, be my guest and win some 30 bucks. I think, would it be? Yeah. To go ahead and do that. So yeah. A dub is a dub, you know? Um, exactly. And the second play that I like is uh, the Cavaliers over the Trailblazers by plus four. Um, the Trailblazers have been playing a lot. Um, you know, Dame Dalla does scare me a lot. They played two straight games. They beat the Magic and they beat the 76ers last night. Um, and Dame did drop uh, 30 points. So um, expect Gary Trent Jr. to take the load for this game. I really think that, like, you know, with um, with Andre Drummond, Colin Sexton, and all those guys, I think it's going to be more of a competitive matchup there in, uh, in Portland at the Moda Center. So, Jake, if you don't have anything for hockey, we can close it out. Yeah, I've just got to, as I look at these couple games, like if I were to bet these games, um, the Bruins are one of the best teams in hockey right now, so it's hard to yep. bet against them. So I'd probably take their money line here. Um, the spread they have at minus one and a half. Um, the money line's currently at minus 175. Um, so I'd probably lean that. I'm also willing if Marshan's player prop is around like a point and a half. Um, or like the over under for the point and a half, I'd probably take the over, um, simply because he's been, you know, one of the better players in hockey so far. He's got 16 points, eight goals, eight assists. Um, so he's having a great season so far. Um, Artemi Panarin as well. If you get the opportunity mm-hmm. to get him over like at around like a point or over, if the prop comes out for him at about a half point, it's hard not to take it just because he's also, he's at about 15 points uh, over a point per game so far. So a lot of potential there, but it's really hard for me to see the Bruins losing this game. Um, as we look at the other game with the Blues and Coyotes, um, the Blues have had the Coyotes number or the flip that the Coyotes have had the Blues number in their last, you know, three games that they've played against each other. Um, we've seen the coyotes come on top on every single one so you know what that means it's time for the blues to win one um so i'm gonna go with the blues money line here again at minus 135 um and then the over under for this game is at five and a half um i'm probably gonna lean the over a little bit in this game um in three of their their two of their last three matchups it was it hit the over um at five and a half for each of those games when they played and it hit three three uh three four one three and three four again um, so, you know, this is a Coyotes team that most of their games end up right around or over five goals. So I'd probably take the over in this game as well. But that's all I've really got, you know, in a short slate like this. There's not a ton to bet, um, but those are just probably what I'm looking at. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I love the Bruins. I love the um, the Coyotes in that game. But, like, you know, it's time for the Blues to win. But, like, if you put together a parlay in that, and this, uh, we'll wrap up on this right here, minus 188. And for the Blues, uh, it gives you plus odds at plus – 166 put $20 to win um, $33. So, I mean, like, I'm not going to place it. I don't bet hockey. But FanDuel is doing a $50 risk-free bet. So if you do a $50 bet, and it doesn't matter what it is, there's no exclusions or any wagers here, guys. Um, 
$50 risk-free bet, anything. If you lose that wager, it will be refunded back to you inside credit. So keep that in mind, Jake. They're also doing that $10 risk-free bet. Um, a lot. I just think they're doing this because of like all the outages they're having recently. So instead of giving people side credit, they're actually going to let people do a risk-free bet. And if it loses, it's going to be side right. credit. So uh, it makes more sense to do it that way. You know, have the customers do it. Uh, do it. Um, do it themselves and them doing it so you know of course these companies are going to play it that way but guys you know we thank you for listening to the fantasy odds cast we, re- we really appreciate you all of you and every one of you you know uh i'm your host aj desai you can follow me on twitter aj desai4 and my co-host will take it from here stay home and stay comfy guys later all right later guys we'll talk to you next week